This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. We study verse by verse through the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 14, verses 3 through 18. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who testified to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews, and part with the apostles. When some of both the Gentiles and the Jews, with their rulers, made a violent attempt to mistreat and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to the cities of Lycaonia, Lystria, Derbe, and the surrounding region. There they preached the good news. At Lystria a certain man sat, impotent in his feet, a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. He was listening to Paul speaking, who, fastening eyes on him, and seeing that he had faith to be made whole, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. He leaped up and walked. When the multitude saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voice, saying in the language of Lycaonia, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. They called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercury, because he was the chief speaker, the priest of Jupiter, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and would have made a sacrifice along with the multitudes. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their clothes and sprang into the multitude crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like passions with you and bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to the living God who made the sky, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who in the generations gone by allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he didn't leave himself without witness in that he did good and gave you rains from the sky and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Even saying these things, they hardly stopped the multitudes from making a sacrifice to them. Let's keep reading. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. When some of both the Gentiles and the Jews, with their rulers, made a violent attempt to mistreat and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to the cities of Lycaonia, Lystra, Derby, and the surrounding region. There they preached the good news. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 6 says, There's a time to keep and a time to cast away. Or in their case, a time to stay, but also a time to run away. They had stayed in Iconium a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord. Now it was their time to go. Part of the city was with them, but the other part sided with the Jews and tried to kill them. As followers of Christ, we might have to discern when it's time to stay and when it's time to go. Sometimes staying could mean martyrdom to God's glory, which may be God's will if it's our appointed time. Sometimes fleeing might be God's plan. After all, what use is a dead man to God? 
Paul and Barnabas certainly fled, but not to go hide out in a cave in the wilderness or something. They preached the word boldly in Iconium and awakened the angry hive there, getting stung and chased out, so to speak, by these hornets who wanted their lives. Paul and Barnabas went into the cities of that surrounding region and did just the same as they did in Iconium. They preached the good news. The attempt on their lives wasn't enough to deter them from sharing the gospel. They simply found others for whom to proclaim the truth, knowing that might also stir up another nest. And the other year, my family and I were hiking in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee, making our way into the forest. Suddenly, I felt a sting on my leg, and soon another. Others began getting stung as well. At a seemingly exponential rate, we were all suddenly getting stung all over the place. Apparently, we had disrupted the peace of an adjacent beehive, so we hightailed it out of there as if our lives depended on it with the bees in hot pursuit. They were in our socks, stuck in our shirts, in our hair. When we finally got out of the forest, we had to pull bees out of our clothes and brush them out of our hair. Some still alive, some I think dead. It was not one of my favorite experiences. So what was my first thought after we escaped the threat and survived the encounter? Did I think, you know what, let's, let's just simply find another path and continue deeper into the woods. Maybe we'll brush past another bee colony along the way. Wouldn't that be nice? No, that's not what I thought at all. Instead, I thought something like, man, that was terrifying and painful. I'm never hiking in the Smokies again. Paul and Barnabas, after their life-threatening encounter in Iconium, went into more of the surrounding cities, doing the exact same thing that had just put their lives in danger, preaching the good news. Let's keep reading. At Lystra, a certain man sat, impotent in his feet, a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. He was listening to Paul speaking, who, fastening eyes on him, and seeing that he had faith to be made whole, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. He leaped up and walked. When I minister the gospel at churches around the country, there are times when I look out at the congregation and someone catches my eye. You zero in on that one person who is just locked in. Somehow you just know God is really working in the heart of that individual. There seems to be varying degrees to which people are engaged with the gospel message. Some might be distracted with a crying baby, some whispering to the person beside them, and so on. But it's super encouraging when you're proclaiming God's word and can see God at work in those who are hearing and receiving the message. A crippled man in the crowd caught Paul's attention when he was speaking. Paul discerned this man had faith to be healed and boldly announced, Stand upright on your feet. The man jumps up and starts walking right away. Let's keep reading. When the multitude saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voice, saying in the language of Lycaonia, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. They called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercury because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Jupiter, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and would have made a sacrifice along with the multitudes. The crowd was obviously impressed with the healing and responded 
by essentially starting to worship Paul and Barnabas as gods. These Gentiles were ignorant, not knowing the one true God. In their Greek mythology, it was common for the gods to come to earth in human form. There was a legend in Lystra that once upon a time, Zeus and Hermes visited the region disguised as mortals. When no one gave them any hospitality except for one older couple, they wiped out the entire population in anger, minus the old couple. Maybe when this miracle was worked through Paul and Barnabas, the people remember the old legend, considering their gods to have returned in human form, wanting to please the gods this time around and appease their wrath. They honored Paul as Mercury and Barnabas as Jupiter, preparing even to offer animal sacrifices to them. Mercury was known as the messenger of the gods, which is why they honored Paul, the chief speaker, as him. How would you respond if you were Paul and Barnabas? It's human nature to want to be adored, honored, and worshipped. People often tend to be self-seeking, attention-seeking, narcissistic. Most would probably have absorbed the acclaim like a sponge. Most love the glory that comes from men more than the glory that comes from God. Mankind has always been inclined to worship and serve created things rather than the Creator Himself. Romans 1.25 says that men exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator. The reason the devil was cast out of heaven was because of his prideful desire for self-exaltation above God. He said in his heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And that's from Isaiah 14, 13 to 14. But it says after that that God will actually bring him down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. Many people dream and aspire to fame, to receive the honor and adoration of fans. Here, Paul and Barnabas had that at their fingertips. Let's see how they respond. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their clothes and sprang into the multitude, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like passions with you and bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to the living God who made the sky, the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, who in the generations gone by allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he didn't leave himself without witness and that he did good and gave you rains from the sky and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness even saying these things, they hardly stopped the multitudes from making a sacrifice to them. Paul and Barnabas probably didn't know the native language of the people, so maybe their ignorance was what allowed everything to get to this point. But when they discover the people about to offer sacrifices to them, they respond by tearing their clothes, an instinctively Jewish reaction to blasphemy. They deflected the people's praise away from themselves and towards God ascribing him the honor due for the healing. James 1 verse 17 says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. God worked something miraculous through Paul in healing the crippled man 
When God works good things through people, gifts us with something, we often tend to focus more on the gift than the giver. We tend to gravitate towards worshiping the gift rather than the one who provides the gift. Back in Acts chapter 12, we had the example of what not to do when the crowds want to honor you as God. King Herod did not give God the glory, and he was struck dead and eaten with worms. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We should certainly display the gifts God has given us and the works God does through us for the world to see, but in such a way to make sure God is glorified in it. We don't want others to give us glory, but God glory. When Paul and Barnabas realized that men were seeking to glorify them for the miracle God had worked through them, they were abhorred and immediately made sure God received the praise instead. They basically said, We are just regular people like you. Nothing special about us. And they boldly encouraged the crowd to turn from the nonsense of their pagan idolatry to the living God. The people of that culture believed in a multitude of Greek gods. There was a god of the sky, a god of the sea, a god of the underworld, and so on. They believed the god of the sky, for example, provided them with rains from the sky and fruitful seasons. They'd offer sacrifices to certain gods in hopes of receiving certain blessings from them, like abundant crops. Paul speaks into their culture and tells them the one true and living God is actually the one who gave them rain from the sky and fruitful seasons, filling their hearts with food and gladness. Paul told them the one and true living God is the one who made the sky, the earth, the sea, and all that's in them. He was essentially telling them his God is greater than their fictitious gods. Many were amazed when they saw him Seemed hardly human Did Jesus his form was so mild, one would scarcely know that he was a man. Oh, bright morning star. Oh, bright morning star 
That was Son of Suffering from the Adams Road album, Tongues of Fire. Give Jesus all our cares, for He cares for us, and He can sympathize in our weakness in every way. hearts and minds He will go with us not leave us behind behind and sufficient is His grace for us it is through faith and not our works and it is not in our own doing
That was Jesus is Enough from the Adams Road album, Tongues of Fire. This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Join us next episode as we examine Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 22. Grace and peace be with you all.